Amen. You can grab a seat. What a privilege to sing in Hawaiian. Thank you, Kalani. Thank you, y'all. Oh, what a gift. What a gift to be together in worship. It's such a privilege we get to do this each week. I'm so glad there's a community here that, that we want to, and we come together to worship God and remember and reorient together in this way. Uh, what a joy to be this community together. Here we go. I have uh, one, one uh, quick announcement. We have a, a sad but exciting kind of thing going on here that Mindy, she's not leaving us, but Mindy is going to transition to a new role here at Whitworth, and she's going to transition to a role in the Office of Church Engagement. So many exciting things going on there. If you haven't heard, uh, I'm sure many of you have already or are going to be uh, summer fellows, but there's much more than that going on, equipping the church near and far with some of the resources that Whitworth has. And Mindy is in July 1st going to step into a role as the Associate Director of the Office of Church Engagement and be a huge, uh, great part of all the things they're doing. And so, yeah, we can clap for that, Ryan. That's a great thing to clap for. <laughs> Mindy has served here in campus ministry for 10 years. Has, she just finished her Doctor of Ministry from George Fox University and, and is uh, obviously an incredible pastor and preacher and ordained in the Presbyterian Church. And we're so grateful for her gifts and passion and heart that she's poured into Whitworth for the last 10 years. And grateful that's going to continue and continue to be, be with students and be a part of things, you know, right here as well as she steps into this new role. So really excited for, for the next step. Sad to lose her in campus ministry. We will open up a, a search uh, starting really soon for her replacement, not to, ever, not to fill the shoes, but to bring in a new person to come in and join us and what's going on here and what God's doing on this campus. That will start soon, and we'll, you can be praying for that uh, person to be that God would raise them up. So, Mindy, thank you. Thank you all. Um, it's been a joy and privilege for me to serve in this role. It's very humbling um, for me to have had the opportunity to speak and lead in this place, and you all have been gracious to receive me. So thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, I'm grateful. We wanted to alert you just to one announcement that Overflow is starting on Monday night. Um, for those of you that know that we do not see ourselves here at in, on the Whitworth campus or here in chapel as church, that we really encourage all faculty, staff, and students to find a local church to pour into. But the question that Overflow group is going to ask on Monday night is... Um, it's a question about church and how do we fit into it? How do you all think about church these days? And there will be um, a panel discussion about that Monday night at 8 p.m. And where is it, Mel? Hub Chambers. Hub Chambers. Thank Keith, you very Keith much. Beebe's. Keith Keith's BB and Betsy Wynn will be there to facilitate that conversation, so be there. Please join me now as we prepare our hearts in prayer. Lord God, we are grateful for the reminder this morning that you are true and living, and you are our creator, that there are so many nations across the land that are waking up this morning that are praising your name in different languages from different tribes and different nations, that you are the one true God. We thank you for that. We ask that you join us this morning in those places that we find that we are struggling, that we feel broken, places in our nation where we need your guidance. We ask for our leaders as they are working on legislation to protect our nation, to secure our borders, but to uphold the lives of the 
millions of dreamers that are in our country. We ask that you go before them and lead us, we pray. We ask for your guidance and strength on this campus, that we would be good to each other, that we would take responsibility for places where we've been had wrongdoings, that we would offer grace to each other, that we would continue to be a Whitworth that speaks truth but lives in grace. We pray for those personal relationships we found in our own lives that continue to hit roadblocks. We ask that you shine lights in the places where we need to take responsibility and ask forgiveness. We ask that you be the great healer to the places where we've ruptured. We thank you for an opportunity to freely gather and worship your name without fear of persecution or threat. So we ask that we do not take this time for granted, but intend instead we focus it on you in your word. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Anyone here like apples? Yeah, all right. Anyone here ever gone to Green Bluff and picked apples up there? Yeah, it's fun. We, we were up there last summer as a family, Bella. You were, we were there, huh? And, uh, and picking apples. And it's so fun. You, we are, they have all kinds of different, you know, varieties. So you always have apples you never even heard of. You don't have any fun apples that you especially appreciate? You have favorite apples? Anyone? Shout them out. Let me hear. Granny Smith, old school. Envy. Envy. Ooh, that's a new kind, new flavor. How about what else? Honey Crisp? Yeah, good one, good one. What was that? Any, any other takers? One of my favorites, well, actually, here's, here's the thing about apples for me, is apples, there is a certain kind of apple that is the right kind of apple, and then there's everything else, All right? So the right kind of apple, I'll just let you know, at least in my understanding of things, is an apple that is sweet, not too sweet, but also tangy and tart. You got to have both, All right, the combination. And a cool apple, you know, a refrigerator, comes to the refrigerator, that makes it even better. But then most importantly, it's got to have a crunch. It's got, you, you need to hear it. When you bite an apple, you must hear that apple, if it's the right kind of apple. And, and that nice crunch in your mouth. Sweet, but tart, cool, crunch. That's a great apple, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Connor, you feeling me? I'm glad I have some, uh, some takers in the room. And Honeycrisp honey crisp are good apples. I think I've, I've seen some great and had some great Honeycrisps. Okay, remember your apple. Remember your ideal apple. We're going to come back to that in a minute. As we continue our series today, we continue on Your Kingdom Come, the book of Revelation for today. And we, we talked the first week about how Revelation is not some letter out there someday about stuff, something for somewhere else. It's about, it's God's word to us today, inviting us to live with God as our king in all of our actions and words. And last week we talked about how, how it, in, in Revelation that it's, it's not a story about us, but a story about God. And God graciously invites us to participate, to join him in his story in amazing ways. But he's the one who's bringing about the redemption of the world and will one day make all things new. And now, today, we come to Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 3. We come to these letters to the churches in Asia Minor, current-day Turkey. And remember, these are seven real churches, real cities, and, the, and John... By inspired by the Spirit, is writing to them to encourage them in their real concrete lives. But also remember that that number seven is that number of completeness, right? 
it's the, that whole number that says, it also means to the whole church, not just to them, but to all of us. God has a word for us to these churches. So these seven letters that occur in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, they have a certain pattern. I'm just going to let you know the pattern. You can, you can check it out later. If you read it on your own, I'd encourage you to do so. So they start with a pattern. They all start the same way. They all start with this picture of who Jesus is. Something, some element, some characteristic of who Jesus is that's going to relate to their situation. And it actually is drawing upon the second half of chapter 1 where, where Jesus is, is seen as this amazing cosmic son of, son of man figure who's come to rescue the world and set things right. So that's what always starts. Every letter, every one of these little letters in chapter 2 and 3 starts with that who Jesus is. Then it goes on from there to a review of the current situation. The good, the bad, and the ugly in that church. Here's where you are. And from there, there's a call to action. All right? Here's what you need to do. Some of them, it's just hang in there. Others are stop worshiping the idols of power and prosperity and some in between. And then finally, they end, actually, they go all over the place. They all end in the same place. They all come back to, if anyone has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit's saying to the churches. And then an invitation to conquer. And by conquering, find life in Jesus. This conquering is one of the key words in Revelation. One of the key words, the call to us is to conquer. But it's not conquering but through military might and crushing. It actually ends up being conquering, as Jonathan said so beautifully last Thursday. Thank you, Jonathan. Conquering by following the lamb who was slaughtered on our behalf. Conquering by following him in his life and death and then resurrection. So this call to conquer. This conquering seven times in, this, in these two chapters, seven more times, refers to the conquering of the people of God in Jesus in the book of Revelation. And so there's the pattern. Start with Jesus, the situation, what are we supposed to do about it, and back to an invitation to have ears to hear and to conquer and find life in Christ. And that's what we see again as we read now our, our Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, the first of those letters. You'll see the pattern as we read it. Jack Burns reminded me the last week I dropped the ball and didn't, and didn't have us read together. So I won't do that again, Jack. Don't worry. We're going to read together our, our passage today. I, I love proclaiming the word of God together as the people of God. So we'll have it on the screen. Thanks to Brendan. And we'll read aloud together. Ready, set, go. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance. I know that you cannot tolerate evildoers. You have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them to be false. I also know that you are enduring patiently and bearing up for the sake of my name, and that you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first, Remember then from what you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this is to your credit. You hate the work of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. To everyone who conquers... I will give permission to eat from the tree of life that is in the paradise of God. Amen. Thank you. 
see the pattern? So it starts with this, who Jesus is, this powerful Christ who comes holding the seven stars and walking among the lampstands. Often in Revelation, we don't get to know what the symbols are exactly. We have to do a lot of work to figure it out. This one's really nice because just the verse before, it tells us. It's great. The seven stars are the seven angels of the, church, are the, angels of the seven churches. The angels, the messengers, the ones who bring God's word and protection to them. Those cosmic beings are actually held in Jesus' right hand. Sounds pretty powerful, right? And then what the seven lampstands that Jesus walks among, those are the seven churches. So Jesus has this power, the message going to the churches, and his presence, actually his own physical presence walking among the churches as well. That's where it starts. And somehow that's going to relate to whatever the church in Ephesus is facing today. But then from there, this, this one, this letter to the, to the church in Ephesus has a little bit of a chronological feel to it. It starts with where they are right now. Here's where you are in the present. And then it looks back to where they were and finally goes to where they might go, they might be. So it starts with right here, where they are in the present time. And, and right now, it's like any good teacher or coach, John, well, Jesus, through John by the Spirit, says, hey, you're doing a good job. Good job, good job working hard. I see your toil, your works, your patient endurance, how you cannot tolerate evildoers. You're doing great. You're doing great. You got this, you're working hard. You, you, you're, you're getting rid of all that false doctrine, including that, that false doctrine of the Nicolaitans, who maybe were saying, yeah, you can worship God and be a Christian and also worship the Roman gods. It's no big deal. You don't, you don't like that. You have the right doctrine. You're following the right rules. You guys are doing a great job. Way to go. And, like many great teachers and coaches, they say, you're doing great, but, and that's verse 4, but you have, I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember from which you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. So in the present time, they're doing a lot of good things well, but they've lost the love they had at first and the works they did at first. So last summer, I had an amazing Honeycrisp apple. I mean, it was the real deal. And I don't know if some of you, maybe some of you have seen these. They're, they're the Honeycrisp apples, they're like the size of those mini basketballs. You know, they're just huge. And, and it was just beautiful pink and yellow and it smelled so good. And I was so excited to have this. And it was, it was in August, it was hot. And I was just waiting. It's actually, I, I, I was hungry, but I waited a couple more hours just so I could enjoy it more, right? Just like, I couldn't wait, but I'm going to wait, all right? So finally the time comes. I go to get, eat my amazing Honeycrisp apple, and I go to bite into it. Oh, no! No crunch. Just mush, that mealy mush. No flavor. Just, you know how, like, do you think, like, did they genetically engineer this thing to be so big that it lost all the taste? And it's just, just kind of mushy nothing in my mouth. And it wasn't even cold either. And so it just, no! Such a failure. Epic fail on my Honeycrisp apple. That is what the church in Ephesus is like. It's pretty on the outside. Everything looks good on the outside. Yes, they have these good works. They're working hard. They have the right doctrines. They believe the right things. But they've lost the heart. The heart, the meat, the, what it really means to be a follower of Jesus. They've lost the center. And so it's just mush. 
And so John and Jesus says, right now, things aren't looking too good. And so well, from there, we say, well, we have to ask the question, of course, well, what were then the works they did at first? What was the love they had at first? We got to look back to the past. As we look back to the past, we, we don't know for sure. The book of Revelation doesn't say itself what those works were. And, but fortunately for us, we actually do have information about the beginning of the church in Ephesus. And we have that in the New Testament. We hear in Acts that, that Ephesus was, was one of Paul's central places for his mission to the Greco-Roman world. He was there for three years at this important city. Ephesus was an important, wealthy city. There's the temple of the god of, goddess of Artemis there, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. And Paul was there preaching the gospel of Jesus, and the church began and expanded there. And then we had the letter to the Ephesians that we see and we can learn a little bit about what this church was like. And so I'm not positive, we're not positive, but here's, here's, my, here's my thought about what were that, that love and the works they had at first. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, I think we'll have it up on the screen here, says this, I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks to you as I remember you in my prayers. And in the very last verse of Ephesians, grace be with all who have an undying love for our Lord Jesus Christ. So what were the works and the love they had at first? I think is this. You see, presumably Paul writing, saying, I heard of your faith in Jesus and your love for the saints, your love for Jesus. The love and the, and the works they had at first was a love for Jesus and a love for people. Really simple. Remember that in the whole Bible, these are never disconnected. It's always together. We, our love for God is expressed in love for people. In 1 John, it's really clear. How can you say you love God and not love your brother or sister who you can see? They're linked. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. And the works and the love they had, the church in Ephesus, when the letter was written to them, they had this love for Jesus and a faith in him, and it was expressed in a love for others. That's where they were, living in that space, in that goodness. And so if that's where they were, there's this now, this message in Revelation 2, looking forward, where are you going to go? The call is this, the admonition, repent, repent. But if you don't, I'm going to remove your lampstand from its place. Do you see this? The lampstand is the church. Jesus is saying, repent. If you keep being just a shell, pretty soon you're going to be nothing. It's like a burrito. If you had a big burrito, you know, a great Chipotle burrito, and you go take a bite of it, oh, so good. And then you take a bite, and it's just air inside. What? That's not a burrito. That's a tortilla. <laughs> Right? That's what he's saying. Hey, you can be this, you can have the good, you can be the good works people and have the good rules and have the good doctrine. That's a good work, that's a good person club. That's great. That's not, that's not being a follower of Jesus. That's not where the lampstand is. That's not the church. The church has the meat inside. And the meat is this, because of God's incredible love for us who comes to us in Jesus, who walks among us, that we respond in love to him. It's expressed in love for others. That's the meat that's the tangy and tart and sweet, crisp inside of the apple. You all come on up. And so there's this admonition, this invitation. Return to the works and the love you had at first. Now how? Well, this happens by remembering the one. Remember verse 1? It always goes back to who Jesus is, right? Who Jesus is is the one who holds the seven stars, who has 
a message for us, and who walks among the church. God has come to us in Jesus. We sang it, how great he is. He has come to us in his, in his life and death and resurrection. We remember it in Lent. How do we return there? We listen with the ear to the Spirit, to the Spirit of God, show us who you are as the one who is with us in Jesus. And that's what Lent can help us do. Who's come and lived and died and risen for us. And because of who you are, Jesus, may we love you and may that love be expressed in love for others. That's the invitation. And then there's this promise at the end, this promise that, that we could eat of the tree of life. We actually find life now and forever because that life, of course, is in Jesus, the one who conquers. So our invitation today is to be a people who respond to that love in Jesus by loving him and loving others. Let's stand and sing to him in response.
Amen. And so God invites us today to repent, turn away from anything that's preventing us from that first love, responding to God's love to us in Jesus by saying, I love you, Lord, and letting that be expressed in our love for others, in action, not just in words, but in action, in truth, in caring about things God's care about, God cares about near and far. Let anyone who has an ear to hear, let us hear what the Spirit's saying to the church. And the Spirit's saying to us that God's making some good apples here. God's making some good apples, a community that's a good apple, a whole bunch of good apples that's tangy and sweet and tart and crisp. So go knowing that the love of God and the grace of Jesus and the Spirit that's making us are those kind of apples. Oh. Mm. <laughs>